0: Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Bishop Don Kettler back in the studio to tell us his story of how he got his call to the priesthood. Um, we also we also talk about uh, what it was like to be a bishop, and I know there's some other things, but we did the interview a little while ago, so I don't remember everything we talked about. I know he's always a lot of fun when he's here, so we're excited to have him back. First, we have some Biblical Bites with Dr. B, but it is not Dr. B sitting across from me. We mm. have a substitute teacher in the studio. Is
1: impersonating a doctor of theology, is that like a crime of some sort?
0: I don't know. We'll have to ask, Chris. The opinions when he gets represented
1: back. here are my own. They do not represent those. Yes.
0: So the voice you Dr. hear Bergwald is Dr. Yeah. Bergwald or
1: Biblical Bites Incorporated.
0: Yes. So the voice you hear is that of Father Scott Trainer, who has graciously uh, agreed to step in and I'm sure knock it out of the park as as uh, I always want to call Bergwald Bishop. And that's terrible. That's way too, too much for him. It's the blue
1: suit. <laughs> Oh wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you Father Scott for coming in and helping us out. Of course. So go run run away with it. We have a very interesting gospel this week. We do.
1: Uh in this week's gospel, we hear Jesus uh address Jesus saying
0: Jesus Get- address Jesus Wait, Jesus, Jesus address, address Peter.
1: Simon Peter okay. saying, "Thank you. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me." I th- That's remarkable.
0: It is.
1: (laughs) Right? It is. Uh, And it's all the more remarkable because it's part of the same interaction. So, you know, in the Sundays in Ordinary Time, Mm -hmm. we have quasi-continuous readings through a gospel, Mm -hmm. and we're in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Last week, we heard Jesus say, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Yeah. And then Jesus goes on to talk about his coming passion, and Peter takes him aside and rebukes him, to which Jesus says, get behind Mm -hmm. me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me. You're thinking not as God does, but as human beings do.
0: That is incredible when you put those two Sundays together. Like, I don't know how many people think about that. but
1: Yeah, Yeah, like that happened back to back, and it's there in Matthew's gospel, back to back. Yeah. So um, I want to say two things about this. First of all, it's important to know that there is a way that God thinks Mm -hmm. that's different from the way we sort of think in our fallen (laughs) nature. Right. So I can look at any situation, any relationship— any decision from one of either of those two positions. Right. And clearly, <laughs> please, God, help me to see things I'm as gonna say, you see them. to say one
0: is better To than think the other. about <laughs> them as you think
1: about them, to feel about them as you feel about them, to desire what you desire. Right. Right. And so that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is, um, you know, Jesus isn't like trying to belittle Peter. here. Right. He's not trying to embarrass him or belittle him, but it's actually a school of discernment. Okay. Uh, In the many things that are stirring in our hearts, we can actually sort out what's from God and what's not from God. Right. Okay. Which doesn't mean anything I think, feel, or desire is from God. Clearly not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Clearly not. Uh, But there is a real difference. And when I hear of the many voices clamoring for my attention interiorly, when I hear something that uh, bears the hallmarks of the fruits of the Holy spirit Mm -hmm that is a clear sign that that thought, feeling or desire, is of God. Okay. okay. Or at least in harmony with God, if not from God directly. And so this is actually a school of discernment for Peter. Like, Peter, remember when you confessed that I am the Christ, the son of the living God? See, you didn't figure that out. You're not the smart guy in the room, and you just sort of figured this out. Okay. But it was a grace from my father, the realization that I am the truth of the truth of who I am. Mm-hmm. Notice what that felt like in your heart. Notice mm-hmm. the feelings and uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit that accompanied that realization. Contrast that to what you're thinking now <laughs> when you are saying, God forbid that I should suffer or die. Right. That feeling, which, you know, we can understand that. Like, I don't want a person I care about, love, right. to yeah. suffer or yeah. die. Um, but whatever is going on in Peter's heart, whether it was fear or, uh, you know, he was offended or whatever, is just not from God. Right. Peter, pay attention to what that's like interiorly. So here you have a thought, I'm the son of the living God. Here you have a thought, God forbid you should suffer. <laughs> Those come from two different places. Notice the difference. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a school of discernment for Peter. The other thing I'd like to say about this, this is all happening in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Yes, okay? yes. Caesarea Philippi, so if you have a map of the Holy Land, you have a, a lake up top and a lake at the bottom. Lake up top is the lake of the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Lake at the bottom is the Dead Sea. There's a river that connects them. Oh, okay. North to south, that's the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of your basic map okay. of, yeah. of the Holy Land. Caesarea Philippi is on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Kind of central north on the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum, where Peter oh, yep. lived with his mother-in-law and the right. Further west, if you go to the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee and keep going west, you'll end up in Cana, like the wedding at Cana. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of all northern Galilee. So this interaction is happening there. In Caesarea Philippi today, if you go on pilgrimage there, there is a natural little low cliff bluff. Uh, It's like a natural amphitheater. And into that amphitheater were carved shrines to all the Greek and Roman yeah, gods yeah. because that was a major crossroads for right. trade. Right. people yeah, yeah.
0: All of those places. Yeah.
1: Caesarea Philippi. Cause you could go North up into like Lebanon and Syria or go West mm-hmm. to the rest of Galilee. But it was a major crossroads, like the intersection of I-29 and I-90. <laughs> okay. And so they had this place and people who were, uh, you know, devoted to the Greek and Roman gods. They could, it was like the super, the mall, you could go from one shrine to another mm-hmm. and ask your blessing, like, prosper my business, heal my child, protect my travel. But it shows something about the Greek and Roman gods because you go to each God, not really knowing what you were gonna get, right?
0: Right, And right. just hoping
1: one of them would hear you and throw a blessing your way. Right. But god, our God, Jesus Christ, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit is a God who is knowable, who wants to draw us into personal relationship with him so we can know with clarity what his plan of love is for us. And in order to lead into that amazing relationship with our God of revelation, who wants us to know him, we need to learn the difference of what his voice sounds like in our heart versus what's not his voice.
0: Really good stuff, Father Scott. Thanks for filling. You're welcome. I have back in the studio with you today, Bishop Don Kettler. Welcome, Bishop Kettler. He's sleeping over here in the chair.
2: <laughs> nice to be here Get with you. Here.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, came, we, we recorded two episodes with you here, and this one... We want to talk about how you got your call to the priesthood, and um, what it was like to be a bishop, uh, especially you were in Alaska. So uh, we're gonna kind of talk about that a little bit. Sure. So Bishop Kettler, if you would begin. Uh, bishop Kettler is a retired bishop. Um, he is from this area. So you please start by telling us where you grew up. Tell us about your family. Those kind
1: of early
2: days. Yeah. And it's it's good for me to say something because, of course, okay. my, my family home was just four blocks from here. Right. So I grew seat. up yeah. as a member of the, uh, my family as a member of Cathedral Parish. Sure. And um, we're in the Pastoral Center. Well, this is where I went to school. And and so now there was a grade school, which was out where the parking lot is now. Okay. But it was a four, a square, three-story building. Um had four classrooms on each floor, yep. and it went from first grade up through uh, sixth grade. Okay, and then we came over here to what we called the high school building, okay. and the first floor was seventh and eighth grade, uh-huh. and uh, so that's so this is the high school building. This is the high school, and on this floor and the floor below us were um, was the high school.
0: Okay. So it looks a little different now,
2: I bet. Well, yeah. And (laughs) I did not go to
0: Uh, Cathedral
2: High School here either. I was intending to, planning to. I finished eighth grade here. Um, And then uh, I'd been thinking about seminary, I think, a little bit. Why? Well, I've got relatives that are priests and, and relatives that are, Nuns. Uh-huh. Uh, I really liked the clergy that were here at Cathedral, okay. um, and so I was always thinking about it because of what I've seen. But I was intending to go to Cathedral High School, okay. which was here in this building, okay. and then I went to a a, um, a vocations camp uh, at Blue Cloud Abbey now sure. Abbey in the Hills. Yep, um, I went up there. I went. Um, uh, in the summertime, primarily because I enjoy sports and I played a lot of basketball. Okay. And so I went there because they would have an opportunity to do that. Okay. And so we were there for a week, and one of the days it was raining outside. We didn't get it. it was just people were sitting around, and one of the people from Sioux Falls there said, "Well." I think I'm going to go to the seminary. The The scholastics, the the monks who are still in studies, uh, they would be, be around giving talks and sure. stuff. So that's why this all came up sure. for us. And and the thought came to me, and I guess it was probably God calling, uh, well, maybe I should do that too. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and I had to, uh, said, I'd like to go to the seminary. And my folks were not that anxious about it.
0: But they were, they were like, this was, you were from a good Catholic family. Like. Yeah,
2: but they would say, they they didn't see any reason why I wouldn't just go on to <laughs> Cathedral High School sure. like, like they expected me to do. Right. And so I had to kind of convince them a little bit, and then I said, well, I found a book for uh, Trinity High School Prep Seminary down in Sioux City, Iowa. Oh. And I said, well, could we go and talk to them and look at it? And, and so they said, sure. And so we did that. And, and I said, I still wanted to go. Then the next step was to, to uh, talk the pastor into doing this too, <laughs> Monsignor Maloney here at Cathedral Parish. And so um, he wasn't terribly anxious for me to do it yet. They weren't against it, but they were saying, well, wait a while. Although so they felt like you were too young? Yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. And probably I was, but but that was not uncommon in those right, days. Right. This is 60 years ago. Right. And it was unco- not uncommon. And so then I went to high school down at Trinity for the four years. Uh, then I went to um, – I was looking for where do I go next. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, the, the, the diocese doesn't do an awful lot of – with you on those things right. then in those days. Right. They pretty much had you figure it out yourself. Yep. And so I looked around, and I found uh, two places in Minnesota to go because uh, Trinity only went up through the four years sure. of high school. Sure. And so I found uh, St. John's uh, near near St. Cloud, and I found uh, Crozier near about 60 miles um Outside of Saint Cloud, I
0: haven't heard of that one. Is that but they're they're both in the
2: diocese of Saint okay. Cloud, and um, I had a really important reason for going to to uh, to uh, Crozier, and that was that Crozier board and room and tuition and everything was eight hundred and fifty dollars a year, <laughs> and everything at Saint John's was only twelve hundred.
0: Only. But, <laughs> but but then I went,
2: so then I went to Crozier for two years of college. First mm-hmm. two years finished up there, and then. Um, was expecting to go to St. Paul's seminary. Oh, yeah. I'm st- in Minneapolis where most of our guys went. Mm-hmm. And um one of the other people from Sioux Falls diocese um, Mike Driscoll was his name from yeah. Madison. Yeah. Um, he was a smart student, much more so than me. <laughs> and he um wanted to, along with his philosophy degree, he wanted to get go someplace where he could get a math degree as oh. well. And so he must have talked to Bishop Hoke and said, I'd like to go someplace where I could do that. Mm-hmm. And so Bishop must have said okay to that. And then um, all of a sudden... Um, I got a letter saying you're going to St. Paul or to uh, St. John's, and that's how I did that.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Backing up, just one other thing about that that vocations camp. Yeah. Um. When I um talked the people into, especially my family and pastor, to be able to go and do that, um, the guy that said he was going to go to seminary didn't. Oh. <laughs> so. But anyway, I did. So it's a long story. It was. It's a kind of a, a typical story. Typical for then. But then for that for sure. time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and it was a, uh, overall a good experience. It was it was a difficult time in the seminary because the, the t- it was right around Vatican Council too, sure. before and after that, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of uh, um, changes in the church, mm-hmm. lots of different needs. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was really happy to have been able to go to St. John's because they had kind of begun updating their seminary style Oh, sure. over St. Paul's Seminary. St. Paul's Seminary now has changed a lot right. now. But back then, they had done a lot more than St. Paul's Seminary. So that was a, an advantage to be able to go there. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, neat being able to come back as bishop and have that relationship with St. John's. University, the Abbey, and also with the um, um, the Benedictine Sisters right. at St. Benedict's, yep. and then also we have Poor Clares, that, that religious. You're, you're going to hear that. I really appreciated the the uh, religious that we had. Yes, and then we had Franciscan Sisters in Little Falls who are, okay. who are missionary signs of St. Francis's poverty. So we had some neat folks.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, in at uh, seminary there. So. Yeah. So um that's how I I became a, got ordained. Right. I um When was
0: that? When was uh that
2: 1970. Okay. And uh then uh, ordained with another priest from um from Cathedral Parish, uh, Father Steve Barnett. Oh, we sure. we were yep. uh we were ordained together. I spent 32 years as a priest here in the diocese wow. primarily in Aberdeen and in Sioux Falls. Okay. And one of the things that I worked on and did was to s- start a uh, full fledged tribunal. Oh, and so um, eventually, okay. after I started with another priest, Father Tony Opum, the, the uh, tribunal here in the diocese, mm-hmm. I went back to Catholic University to get my canon law degree. Okay. And, and, and then I was served here as judicial vicar for about 20 years, oh, wow. overseeing the tribunal and <laughs> uh, mostly working with marriage situations, adult yep. uh, annulments and so on. And then it was um, after those 30, and most of those, because I was judicial vicar, uh, I was assigned mostly in parishes around here. I always yes. had parishes except for... A short, well, a few years when I worked in the pastoral center where the junior high is, and kind of oversaw some attempts to try to bring the offices together uh, in in the diocese. I did that for a few years, but mostly at time I was a um, a priest, um, a pastor, and I think I was pastor of four of the parishes in Sioux Falls during those 32 years. One day, got a Got a phone call while well, I was here in this building, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was working in the tribunal. Uh, bishop Carlson called me up, and he said, uh, come on up to my office. I was down on the second floor. He was up on the third floor, and I went up there, and, and he said, uh, I just got a phone call from the nuncio in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, he um, he's going to call you, and he's going to ask you to uh, go and be the uh, bishop of... Uh, Fairbanks so I waited a little bit and got the phone call and and I said well I had not <laughs> expected this of course and 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 I said well can I talk to my spiritual director and and he, uh, and he said the nuncio said yes call me back this afternoon yes they don't they so don't want to wait too long <laughs> and and so then I said yes and and went up to uh, Fairbanks and uh was ordained a bishop up there, yeah. and then uh, was there for eleven years, wow. and m- as a missionary bishop, really serving the uh, primarily the people were uh, Eskimo and Athabascan Indian, and then I uh, um, after eleven years I got another phone call from another nuncio, <laughs> and it said uh, we I'd like the Holy Father would like you to go to. Uh, St. Cloud, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting like, because yeah. I'm back to where I started, yeah. from, which I which I liked liked too.
0: So I have a couple of questions. Um, I find it interesting that you said Bishop Carlson got the call first. Yes, because now maybe they do different different situations. But um, for Bishop DeGroot, for instance, they called him directly out of the blue. Yeah. Did they they must have changed that over time. Well, I think I like it's up to, to you, it's, a, it's up to
2: the uh, bigano was the was the nuncio, and uh-huh. I, I guess probably he he might have done it that way. Right. Um, I got a phone call um, f- to go to St. Uh, uh, Cloud directly. Right. From the nuncio. Right. Right. And actually got a phone call from the nuncio when finally after three extra years of, of being a bishop in St. Cloud, I was supposed to retire about three years earlier, Right, uh, got a phone call saying that they had uh, found my replacement. Sure, sure. And so they did that. So I don't know. It's, it's different. Nuncios have pretty much, it's their job. Sure. That's what they're to do and how they do it.
0: Yeah. They get to pick. Huh?
2: They get to do what they want.
0: Okay. So um, what was your time like in Alaska? Because uh, most of us haven't been to Alaska. And as you said, this is a mission parish. So, what is that? Or mission diocese? What's the difference between a mission diocese and a
2: regular? Usually, basically, it means that your people are minorities, are native peoples probably, and um, are living a different kind of a lifestyle. Okay. And in Alaska, it's called the subsistence lifestyle. It's a lifestyle where they live on hunting, fishing, and gathering, Mm -hmm. and still do today. Right. And so um there were there were two migrations into uh, Alaska from Asia mm-hmm. about ten thousand years ago right the first batch came in about ten thousand years ago and they settled along the shore because they were places to hunt and fish yep. and then and then um, they were there for about a thousand years and then another migration came and uh, they were also from the same place mm-hmm. they come across Russia come across the, uh, um northern part yeah. of um, and then they caught, uh, there was there's probably a land bridge into Alaska right. they settled, in, settled settled there the second batch came pushed the first batch of people into the interior of of Alaska and then the second batch uh, settled along the shores and rivers and so on and then the first the, that first batch in in the interior they're they're called Athabascan Indian okay and then the second batch that came, are called Eskimo. Okay. And interestingly enough, and I don't know how true this is, but <laughs> the Athabascan language, and there's many dialects of that, mm-hmm. uh, is related to the language of the Apache and Navajo oh. of the Southwest.
0: That's interesting. And so some
2: people say, well, perhaps some of those Alaskans kept going right. and moved all the way down to the southwest. Right. I've heard that. I've also heard well the migration the up there. Came from the right. south, so I don't know right. about that. But it's I find it interesting mm-hmm. that actually Athabascan Indian language and and the Apache and, and Navajo, their language was closer related than the than with the Eskimo right. language. So. Right. Uh, they they don't understand each other yeah. and so on so that's where I was.
0: So is the is the work in a mission diocese? I mean, it's always our work as a church is always evangelizing. Yeah. But is it more heavily that in a mission diocese, or is it just that you're you're
2: trying to work with? No, different- you're you're not really evangelizing. They are Christian. Okay. Everybody, all the natives were Christian okay. up there, so there it was really providing them support with the sacraments and the word of god in their presence uh, as as for their for their life but it was they're very poor because they don't have a money economy and so they it was more you know just serving them and giving them something to grab onto because that lifestyle is is difficult and and um Especially in the wintertime when it's cold and dark and and the faith is was really there to to help them a lot. There was a lot of domestic violence, a lot of drug use, a lot of alcoholism, much more so and I worked for a while in the seminary in the summer at, at uh, the Rosebud Indian Reservation. So I knew a little bit about that. Right. And and but but it's even worse up there than this because because of the uh, the cold sure. the dark and so on. Right. So you're there as a church to bring Jesus Christ to the people and the message of Christ and the still the stillness the the strength of that. So right. That's what you're doing. So you're not there people that you the native people have all, all are Christian. Yeah. They're not all Catholic. Sure. In our area of the diocese, our diocese the most of the um, the people there were um, Roman Catholic or Russian Orthodox, okay. and then up north they were Presbyterians, <laughs> and below that they were uh, uh, Anglicans, sure. and then down south they were Covenant Church and the, uh, um, you know, so yeah. so that, that so yeah, so it wasn't so much evangelizing right. with the Christian message; Sustained. it was sustaining them, yeah. and help them in their lifestyle.
0: Okay, we don't have a lot of time left, but I, I'm hoping we can get two questions answered. Um, the first one is: What did you, what was your, did you prefer being a priest or bishop? Which did you like better? You, you did both for quite a number oh, of years.
2: I liked being a bishop.
0: Did you? <laughs> sure,
2: because it's the fullness of the priesthood. Oh, sure. So you get to do more things. Sure. You do ordinations, you do confirmations, mm-hmm. and, and so on, and you, and you be able to be a, a teacher mm-hmm. and a leader. So that it was kind of nice, yeah. But I liked um, the things of the priest to be able to keep doing as a bishop. Sure. So really, I I tell people that I'm I, I've been ordained three times. Yes, I was ordained a deacon, I was ordained a priest, and I was ordained a bishop, and. You don't drop one right. when you become the next. Right. You you still are all three. Right. And so that's what I liked about it.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the other question, if a young man came to you and said, hey, I'm thinking about going to seminary or maybe being a priest, I think I might have heard a call. What do you say to him?
2: I probably would say to him, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, do you like, doing things for other people. Do you have what we would call a generous heart? Now, I'm not trying to scare them or anything, but just to find out what kind of a background they have. And if they say something like, yeah, I kind of want to do something like that, (laughs) or maybe I should be thinking about that or something, then I will say to them, well, pray about it, of course. Talk to people about it, especially pastors, um, family, other people that you might talk to them about. And then um, look into it like I did with the high school thing. Look into it and find out what you think. You don't have to make you don't make your dis- decision that first day. you go to the seminary or even when you go look at it, right? You make that at the end when you get ordained. So find out, yeah. see what it is, because it's a call, God's calling you, and and that's pretty clear to me right. that that happens. Yeah,
0: and they shouldn't be afraid to um, that they may decide not to be a priest.
2: Correct. Like, that's Correct. totally okay. Yep. Yeah. So.
0: Bishop Kettler, I really appreciate you coming in again. Very interesting story, and I'm really glad you came home to live in Sioux Falls again in our diocese. Thanks. Yeah, Thank thanks you. a lot. Glad to be here. Good. Um, if you want to learn more about vocations in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, you can go to our website, sfcatholic.org, uh, and get on the vocations page. You can learn all kinds of things when there, there are still vocations camps that go on now. You know, if you have a very young man who's interested or know of one, take a trip. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic camps.